This is an ABC podcast. Roots and Shoots with Amber and Sabrina on ABC Radio Perth and WA and the ABC Listener. Oh, no, that's not the right microphone. I don't know what's going on with my desk today. Hello, Amber. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) can I just calm down for a sec? I'm just going to hand you a a complicated gardening question because a lot of them are coming in. Uh, Our 30-foot-plus Gladitzia has been dropping many twigs, many twigs a day for about four weeks, and Arbor suggested rats as they – as the – as the break point looks chewed, the destruction is over all the tree, even at very thin branches. Acrobatic rats trained at Cirque du Soleil. That's Robin from Mosman Park. What do you reckon? Gosh, rats, they, they do everything, don't they? So uh, it could just be the, the fact that the tree's older too. So as it gets older, it gets stressed. Um, you start to get a few little branches um, coming off the plant. But uh, for them to drop constantly, the rats will chew a few branches and things like that, but not the whole tree. So so it's a bit sick? I'd just possibly. say it's a bit sick, yeah. yeah. So maybe look at uh, something closer to the, the ground, maybe where the, the trunk meets the, the, the ground yes. and just investigate there too. So little um, um, acrobat rats, that's <laughs> such a fun idea. I did not know that trees could get old. They can, yes. Unfortunately, it happens to all of us. Yeah, it does, but, like, so, but some are enduring, a gladitia not so much. Has it got a lifespan? Oh, they, do, they all do, but uh, eventually, yeah, they just run out of steam and as, they, as trees get older, they're not as vigorous, they're more prone to pest and disease attack. Um, so, yes, unfortunately, that's a sad story in the, the plant world and also the human world too. So. I think you need to take it to the aged tree care place. <laughs> It's now, <laughs> Megan or Megan says, I live in Perth. Can you please tell me when I should prune my blueberries? Okay, so yes, blueberries are finished now. And uh, so it's a good idea to give them a light trim and a fertilise. And if you've got access to a wedding agent too, they benefit from that. Uh, they like a slightly acidic soil condition. So if yours is in a pot, that's okay. But if it's in the ground, you want to use slightly acidic um, fertilisers, but a uh, good time to trim it now. Yep. Now, we received a number of texts from someone earlier that have a lot of photographs attached to them. I believe you had a look at those while we were in the studio. Are you able to describe what it was we were looking at? Okay, so basically we were looking at a, a whole backyard. There was a whole bunch of trees Great. that seemed to have lots of problems associated with them. But uh, the main tree was a big uh, lily pilly, and the lily pilly was overhanging uh, a bunch of other shrubs. But the lily pilly had a um, condition called lerps or psyllids, which attacks the new growth. Uh, here's one I prepared earlier. So yes. if we just turn around, this is a lily pilly. Yes. I bought in. This is a blue lily pilly. Oh. And what happens is on the, the young new growth, you get psyllids attacking and they distort the growth. They just turn it all crinkly and they're basically sucking the life out of the plant. And then what happens is they produce a a sticky sugary substance called honeydew. And because they're in the picture, there was quite a large leapily, 
the plants underneath it uh, were getting uh, the honeydew was dropping on those plants, and then black sooty mold was growing on those plants. So black sooty mold is like a fungus that grows on the sugary substance. And uh, so there was a whole bunch of plants. There was also some leaves there with a few holes in it, which was unrelated. But really the issue is the the lily-pilly with the lerps. And that'll just uh, grow out of it in time. So it's just this time of year that they get attacked. It's quite a big tree, so really you can't spray it or do anything to it. Um, I think just uh, nature will run its course. And uh, the black sooty mould will just wash off once the uh, the, uh, the sooty mould uh, dries up. Can't do anything to treat that in the interim? Not really. Uh, the tree was too big and you could probably thin it out a bit and the trees underneath... Oh, I meant the sooty mould on the oh, underneath the, plants. The black sooty mould's not the problem really. Okay. It just looks ugly. You know, it looks looks like pretty looks bad. looks like it needs a bath. Yes, that's right. You can wash it, wash it if you want to uh, do that. You can actually wash it off. I think I've had that on my bay tree now that we're talking about it. It's true. You would have. Yeah. I would have. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah. Good morning. I've just moved into a new house with some lovely trees. I'm a bit concerned about what I see on the leaves. Can Sabrina please have a look? Oh, sending through pics. We haven't got that yet, Chris. Please also know that you can call one three hundred triple two seven twenty. We'd love to have a chat to you on the phone. Mark is um, incredibly impro- approachable. I'm, I'm quite shocked, really, at how approachable he is. We've got a strawberry situation here, Mark. Okay. Strawberries look terrible. Developed fruit, but then just dies off in. Any ideas what I can do? Should I cut them back to ground level and let them reshoot, says Greg. Let's have a look at that picture. Okay. There we go. Well, that doesn't look too bad no. to me, that strawberry. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to... Oh, we're trying to... Uh, re- rearrange, the, rearrange the microphone. Here we go. Yep, there we go. Go up and over. And, yeah, the strawberry doesn't look too bad, but they're kind of finishing now too. So they really... Um, they've got... Uh, they've been producing fruit and... Really, they just, they're gross feeders too, so I'd give them a good liquid fertiliser, uh, but it doesn't look too bad. You might get some more flowers and fruit out of it, but uh, liquid fertiliser is a good way to go. Okay, now Martina has called in. Martina, what's going on with your passion fruit? Oh, my poor passion fruit. So it was doing really well. I got some fruit off it last year, um, and it was lush and healthy and then um, leaves started falling off it and we discovered that it was being attacked by mice. So they've eaten all the new growth and they've um, chewed through the bark on multiple vines and not quite ring-barked it to kill it, but it came close. Anyway, I've got rid of the mice now um, and now we're just trying to help it recover. So just hoping for some good suggestions on what to do to... um, yeah, help it along. Get it going. So it's along a fence line? Yes, it is. Okay. So uh, we're blaming mice, but I reckon it's those rats again, you know, those, <laughs> those dirty rats. But um, I would suggest I did that see one. It was only small, so I was hoping it was just mice. Could be a, could be a small rat. Baby rats. Your baby rats. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, so passion fruit, again, really love the, the warmth this time of the year. They're gross feeders. So... Underneath the drip line, which is where all the leaves are going along the fence line, the roots tend to kind of follow that a bit. So that's where you want to try and concentrate. I would actually add a a wetting agent. So any 
So making sure whatever water you put on the garden is actually sinking down into that root zone. And yeah. uh, then you can get some uh, seaweed-related products that help plants that have suffered stress. You can mix that up yeah. and put that in and uh, then apply a good uh, organic mulch uh, that is that'll break down easily. So something that's like, you know, got lucerne or, uh, you know, compost, pea straw, things like that in that area. Yeah. But make sure it's not up against the trunk. And if you do all yeah. those things, it should actually kick in. They grow very quickly and respond really well when it's warm like yeah. this. Yeah. Sure. Good luck. Fantastic. Great. Thank good, you so much. Good luck with it, Martina. Thank you. Now, Alice is in, in – uh, she sent a inv- photo of an invasive weed – where is the invasive weed? Oh, um, I can't find it. Alice, can you describe the invasive weed to us? Oh, hello. Um, I took a cutting. Um, it was from a car park garden. It was someone's home. Um, I probably shouldn't say the, near the roundhouse. Anyway, it was in sort of the car park area. I thought, that's growing really well. So I took a little snip. Um, and I came home, planted under the camellias. It was doing beautifully. However, now it is shooting up like oh, nearly two metres high, like a cane. It almost gets like a white, almost like a uh, Queen Anne's lace sort of flower head, but it has suckered everywhere. I tried hacking it down, and then I realised it's gone through the entire garden bed, all these sort of sucker bits, and it's growing at a rate of knots. And the leaves... They're not marijuana, but they have that kind of white, <laughs> that white spread. We're just looking are you at sure? it. Are you sure? <laughs> We're very looking serrated, at it now. <laughs> um, Very serrated sort of edges, and it is just going gang. But as soon as I cut it, literally within a day, it's got new shoots. Um, <gasps> and it's almost like a, it's not bamboo, but it's almost like a cane. Like it's quite thin inside, and it, it's literally as high, nearly two metres high in the sky. See, oh. this is what's going to kill us all. It's not war. It's going to be that thing that you planted in your backyard. The, the, I know, and I don't want to risk losing my plants. The, the triffids, yeah. So that, yeah, it is. Pay it's back like for the, the uh, gorilla gardening that you did, you know, where you're sneaking oh. off. Yeah, I know. Well, but, the man smiled. He sort of knew I was maybe taking it, kind of. <laughs> okay. So it, it looks a little bit uh, elderberry-ish. Do you know what an elderberry looks like? Uh, uh, no. Uh, elderberry has... Maybe in my garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't see the flowers, but uh, elderberries are very prolific this time of the year and uh, they do have the little white Queen Anne's Lace type flowers that you described mm-hmm. and the leaves look it's pretty... Like it, yeah, like it's sort of like the size of a saucer. Um, yes. That size flower head, yeah. Yeah. So I would uh, maybe just Google um, elderberry and mm-hmm. see if it looks similar to what you've got mm-hmm. and uh, you might come up with uh, the result I and mean, you might want to keep it. But no, it's... I don't. It's going all the way through. It's like running horizontally under the ground and then sending up massive shoots somewhere else. And it hasn't come mm. from your neighbours? Yeah, neighbours haven't got the trees similar? No, it was me that put it in. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah. I took this cutting and it was like a shrub. Um, quite sort of, you know, the leaves, and then all of a sudden it shot. I thought, oh, that's pretty, that'll be okay. And then I thought, hang on, this is going a bit crazy because I could see suckers chopped it down. Yeah. And it's almost like a hollow cane when you cut it. And then I realised underneath the ground, these canes have gone horizontally as well. Yeah, well, they do sucker. So I think that's mm. the culprit, but uh, you might be able to uh, 
Yeah, but I won't kill the camellias off if uh, I try to get rid of that. No, but yeah, just cutting it down won't um, get rid of it because no, just it's making it. it worse. Yeah, <laughs> so you'll just have to go on a bit of a dig and uh, okay. try and get everything out as you possibly can, and just be vigilant because okay. uh, if you get onto it really quickly, it doesn't mm-hmm. build up a reserve of strength to send up more suckers. So if you keep chopping okay. them out and you stay yep. on top of it, eventually it'll run out of steam. Sad said something okay. last week about putting, or no, maybe it was a caller about salt on the um, fresh wound where you've just cut the plant. I don't know. Obviously, mm. I'm not the expert here, but we, are we not poisoning things? Is that neither am I at taking cuttings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what about poisoning it? Is that going to put the rest of the garden at risk? Yeah, you don't want to do that. Just, just... oh, that's kind of where I was almost heading. It, it, it is awful. <laughs> Yeah, but I think you just let it go. It's been going for too long, so oh, if you no. get okay. on get on top, get on top, top of it now. Chop it down. Okay. As soon as you see little shoots, dig them out. As soon as you see little shoots, dig them out. Keep Maybe going. someone in okay. the audience can let me know if um, I'm right about the salt. I'd about like to hear salt. from you, Alice. Yeah. Thanks so much for that. Thank you. All right, bye, bye. Bye. Now, Sarah or Sarah is in Kalamunda. Oh, and I just hung up on her because I'm so good at this. Uh, maybe she can call back, and Molly will get onto it. Now, Judy, Judy Allen has sent through a photograph of her neighbour's grevillea, which grows over her driveway. She really likes it, but recently two limbs have dropped over a metre at the end. Are they in danger of breaking off? She knows some grevilleas are sensitive to pruning, so is it safe to lop and how much and when? Doesn't know which grevillea it is. Flowers are pale pink and it's been there for over 40 years. It's a lovely thing. It's it's a ripper. Uh, pale pink, oh, it, it's probably one of the... Um, the Banksy hybrids like, um, you know, uh, Misty Pink or something like that. It's a, it's a great grevillea. They do actually respond to pruning, so you can actually uh, prune that quite well. A lot of plants don't like a really hard prune, but grevilleas will shoot off really easily. And technically you can prune off anything that's overhanging your side of the fence. So if you're worried about things dropping off, but um, it's a really... Great looking uh, grevillea, and I probably would only just lop off a few branches here and there that you're concerned about, and just leave the rest. Hmm. Hey, Sarah. Yeah, hello. hello. Sorry for hanging up on you. <laughs> Welcome to Amateur Hour. <laughs> it's all right. No worries. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, it's a really okay. interesting question you've got here. I'm very interested to know the answer to this. Yeah, so so what I'm actually doing is I, the pool's being drained because I'm getting converted to a natural pool. Mm. Um, and I've been working with the local pool shop to get the water, you know, as close to sort of not pool water as possible um, so that I can siphon it into my now empty rainwater tanks and then use it on the garden. Um, and I've got the it, – it's pretty much pH neutral, but I can chuck some more acid in if necessary. Um, there hasn't been any chlorine in it for about a fortnight, and I've only been using tiny doses. But it was originally a salt, salt water pool, um, and it's still about 3% salt. So I just wanted to know, is that way too much? And if so, what sort of percentage could I shandy it with, you know, fresh game water to be able to use it successfully on the garden? Yeah, that's a very good question. And it depends on the type of the plants that uh, you've got in the garden too. Some are more salt uh, sensitive than others. And it also depends on how you apply it as well because um, if you're concerned about the, uh, the salt content, if you apply it 
as a, a low sprinkler system over mulch, uh, any salt is actually accumulated in the mulch before it penetrates down into the root zone. So um, really, uh, I think the longer you leave it, the better. Uh, obviously, yeah, you'd want to get the, the salt content checked again. And I, I think the more you shandy it, the better um, because – like I said, okay. it depends on the plants. If you've got a few native plants, it's are... mainly native, mainly native. In fact, almost sort of ninety percent. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of those uh, are kind of uh, tolerant anyway, depending on where they're native to. And uh, you know, if you've got things like this one I've prepared earlier, this is uh, this is old man saltbush. This is named after me. And no, if you, I've got one of them. <laughs> if you've got one of those in your garden, then they'll that, actually love all the other uh, salty water. So. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah, so again, the more you shandy it, the better. Apply it over a mulch and uh, you should be okay. How long has shandy okay. been a verb that I didn't know about? Shandy's old school. <laughs> it was when you used to mix uh, lemonade and beer all the time. I do know that, but yeah. I've never heard it applied to swimming pool water and I'm very grateful that I now know this term can be bandied about when not referring to beer. Yeah, we can. Sarah, thanks well, for uh, that. Uh, Amber, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm showing our mutual age, you see, old school. So. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> hey, thank you and good luck. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mark. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Uh, so tell me about this saltbush that, that you've brought in. Like, it's a lovely looking thing. Is it, How big is that going to grow? Yeah, so this is uh, this is named after me, actually. So It just, seriously is or are you joking? It is. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, old man saltbush grows to about uh, two meters, and oh, that's big. and you can clip it. You can make it into a hedge. It's got very grey foliage, uh, so they Blocker. love love the heat. Love the heat. So anything with this kind of grey foliage really tolerates our hot conditions really well. And then once you've got it established, it just looks after itself. So you just need to get up to a good start. And of course, it's edible. You know, so you can actually trim off the. Uh, yeah, do you want can to have, have a, a bit go? Now? Yeah, just pop that in your mouth. Is it? Yeah, go and do it. Oh, oh no. Okay, yeah, that's okay. <gasps> oh, it's delicious. I was just kidding. Yeah, so you can actually drop the leaves in salads. You can even dry the leaves and grind them up and put salt on your chips or meat or whatever you want to do. Oh, yeah. And then you can even, um, a lot of the chefs actually deep fry these. And uh, so they, got, they make them brittle and uh, put them on meals and things like that. But uh, it's a great great plant. Um, so it enjoys being pruned, and when you prune it, as, as if you're going to hedge it, it's like quite dense when you yeah, do it. It's quite that, dense, yeah. yeah. So you, got, you end up with a nice grey, dense Silver. Hedge. It's a really lovely silver. It's a little leaf, isn't it? About yeah. the size of a 10-cent piece. Well, they grow, they grow bigger. bigger. If you give it a bit more love, uh, the leaves do get bigger and taste a bit better. But it's a lovely plant. A lot of people are worried about planting things this time of the year because it's too hot, but these things love it as long as you give them a bit of water to get them going. Yep. So a good coastal plant. Now, I think there's someone that we might know who has called in here. She might be the treasured mother of uh, award-winning human being, Molly Schmidt. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Amber. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm very grateful that you had a lovely girl called Molly. Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a, a garden issue today? Your magnolia is sad. I do. I, when I moved in, it was nearly dead. Hi, Mark. Hello, <laughs> um, Jenny. Yes. And I cut off all of the dead little 
twigs, um, but it's still not really, and I've fertilised it. I'm giving it heaps of water, but is it is it a pull out or is it going to survive? And, and yours is in the ground, is it, Jenny? It's in, yeah, it's in the ground. Okay, so that's going to be a struggle because uh, down at East Frio, the soil's very alkaline, it's very limey in the ground, and magnolias actually like it slightly acidic. So, oh, here we go. And, yeah, so it's yeah, it's We're just, looking at it and it's scrawny, isn't it? Scrawny and leggy. Yeah. Are those technical terms? That, those are technical terms, Amber, for our listeners. Good on me. And it's always going to be a struggle for you, Jenny. I know you look like you've improved the soil there, uh, but it'll run out of steam. So if you're going to persist with it, it's, it's going to grow slowly for you. It's going to take a while to thicken up as well. And you want to use acidic type fertilisers. So fertilisers that are... Camellias and things like that. Camellias, exactly. Uh, Blueberries, they all like those. Azaleas, all that, uh, like that type of acidic fertiliser. The soil's a bit, um, again, hydrophobic. You put a bit of mulch there, but it tends to be water repellent. So if you use a wetting agent, that'll be good for you. Um, So you can persist with it, but... You might be better off just pulling it out and putting it in a big pot with, with some okay. nice potting mix and, uh, yeah, rather than persisting right. with it. That, that's what I needed to know, whether I just pull it out and <laughs> put something else there and, uh, yeah, or I'll put that in a pot. Stick it in okay. a pot and give it to Molly for her rental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and another pot for Molly to look after. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, thanks so much for calling in. Mark, to check, is, have you chosen a song? Is it something for dancing? I have chosen a song and I took the trouble of actually Googling the lyrics, you know, to research before I actually uh, yes. gave it to you. And I've been singing, singing the, song, the wrong lyrics all this time. Oh, tell me. I always thought it was uh, Party On, Dancing <laughs> in September, but it's not. It's actually, it's just gibberish. <laughs> party on. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I, I thought just... it was Party On. Party On. Party On. Um, I've really cleverly, just bear with me for a sec, I've really cleverly um, deleted the entire card stack well. from here. Um, LR, let me just search something and I'm going to keep talking about it. I feel like I've been a, a crushing bore uh, talking about people that I've spoken to um, for vinyl, Russ's Vinyl Tuesday interviews and one of the people that I spoke to was an incredible woman by the name of Ali Willis and she wrote the lyrics to that and I can tell you no from fir- first-hand experience she's a really smart chick she also wrote the lyrics for the friends theme oh gosh. she uh she has done a ton of stuff and that body da there yes she put that in there as a placeholder oh well yeah, that's a she good bit of trivia so. fully intended to write a proper lyric there and I'm nearly there. I've just about got it up. How look? How good am I? I can talk. I can do two things at once. So the I'm song we're talking about, just, of course, yes. is September. September. By Sorry, <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was getting there eventually, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there we go. You it's- were getting there before I rudely interrupted you. The incredible Morris White um, from Earth, Wind, and Fire for Mark Tuchek's dance pick today. Get it on. Did, were you hearing party on or were you hearing Bardi Da as 
Miss Ali Willis wrote it. Uh, Barb in Geraldton, love it, classic, never gets out of style. And somebody else was really happy that I played Chanson L'Amour, Aspic French, by, I don't, Manhattan Transfer. That was Dougal. Thank you, Dougal. Now, we, good choice. There you go. Well, I, I can still hear party on in, so, my, in my head, so I can't get rid of it. See, we could just go down the whole rabbit hole of um, misheard lyrics. A friend of mine, remember that Macy Gray song, I try to walk away and I some choke, I try to say goodbye and I struggle. And <laughs> she heard, I wear goggles when you are not here. Oh. And the lyric is, my world crumbles when you are not here. And her husband <laughs> caught her singing, I wear goggles when you are not here, which has got to be. Oh, no. I reckon that's the best one I've ever heard. That's funny. Keep, le- keep letting me know how you feel about Mark's choice there. How about we get someone on the phone? We have Nolene in Geraldton. Nolene, what's wrong with your roses? We have thrip, and I'd just like to know what I can do about it, please. There you go. Okay, so the thrips are quite prevalent this time of year. They get in to the buds uh, at early stage and their rasping action causes distortion and things like that. Yes, uh, there's a few sprays you can use for thrips and it depends on the timing too. Um, the the, the the bad stuff you, we were probably going away from now, you know, the systemic stuff, so you want to use those anymore. Um, there are some, and because strips are quite small, a lot of the contact sprays aren't very effective as well. So with contact sprays, you have to spray frequently and uh, they're less toxic to use, but you have to spray more frequently. So there you go. Um, and also some of the, the, uh, the, like the neem oil-based sprays, it gets too hot. T- this time of the year to use them. Yeah. So anything over 30 degrees tends to uh, burn. Uh, you get some burn damage from the spray as well too. So um, uh, are your roses, have they finished a flush or are they still they, flowering? No, they haven't really flushed at all this year. They've been very um, dryish sort of, the leaves sort of shrivel as well. Right. You know, they, And they're all new standards. So. Okay, uh, so there's uh, there's also chili thrips too, which tend to affect yeah. roses quite badly. Hearing a too. lot about the chili thrip. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what can we mean? do about that? Is it spicy? Uh, no, it's a type of uh, thrip that's uh, become more prevalent in recent times. That uh, uh, you have to mix up the uh, the different uh, sprays involved too. So uh, I think Sabrina's actually got a list of. Uh, things especially for chili thrip too. I don't want to repeat you know, everything that she said before. Um, yeah, so what you can do, uh, if then you can actually give them a trim. So you give them a summer prune this time of the year too, and then just yeah, I've just done that. So you know, protect that new growth and uh, use those kind of neem oil based sprays uh, when the, the new foliage is coming out, but don't spray in hot weather. No, no. No, okay. Thanks, Thank Nolene. you. Now, Thank you. Bob has been waiting Hi. patiently uh, there. Bob, can Bob? you hear us? Hello, Bob. Yes, I can. Yep, I'm here. What's going on with your passion fruit vine? Well, not very much. That's the problem. Um, it's been in about 18 months and um, no flowers. Okay. And because I'm in Rolleystone, there's a 
bit of shade because there were these wonderful jarrah trees around the place. Well, they, they do like um, full sun. How is it growing very tall or is it growing well, but just no flowers? Oh, it's growing well. It's, yes, it's, uh, you know, a real hedge of green. Okay. But just no flowers. And I've stopped, backed off any other fertilizer apart from potash. Yes. Um, I've given it a few treatments of that. Okay. So you could be uh, giving it too much love because, yeah, passion fruits do respond very well to fertilizer. And like you said, if your fertilizer had too much nitrogen in it, it's put all its energy into growth at the expense of flowers. Uh, potash doesn't make things flower but it helps uh, uh, control that balance. So if you've, got, uh, you've had too much uh, nitrogen in the fertiliser, putting potash in helps bring that balance down. Potash does help at flowering time with the flower colour and size and things like that, but doesn't induce flowering. So uh, I would say hold off on any more fertilising and... Um, Obviously, the full sun is an issue. They love the really the full sun to help the flowers um, initiate. But uh, yeah, just uh, turtle back on the on the fertilizer at this stage, and I think it should come good by itself. Hope that, okay, thank hope you. That helps, one more Bob. thing. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, I think you're Mark. You're the person who told me that quandongs can be of two types: one the suckering and one non-suckering. Uh, you can maybe a while ago, possibly, and yeah. Since then, um, I had a line of suckers, and I dug them up and I put them in pots, and now I've got several quandongs. Terrific! There you go. You've done well very done. well. Yep. Good so, job. So thanks thanks for that as well. Well, that's a win because you know they're quite difficult to uh, get going initially. So you're you're on the money there. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Uh, I knew that we would potentially derail the conversation with misheard lyrics, which are also called Mondegreens. Tim has sent in cheap wife and a three-legged goat. Oh. <laughs> we all know that he's talking about a chisel song, don't we? Cheap yes. wine and a three-day growth. Uh, Joan's in Perth. She has a rose bush that wasn't looking great a few months ago, so she fertilised it, and finally it's looking better, but no rose blooms in months. Ideas? Uh, no rose blooms? Yeah. So, again... Uh, roses, well, they, they do respond to fertiliser, so uh, they should be flowering quite easily. It's uh, Armageddon, yes. everything. Yeah, the uh, world's ending. That's like climate change. <laughs> um, you can get duds too on roses too. If oh, they get, dud um, rose. Yeah, they do get um, certain viruses and things like that, which actually are like a greening virus, which uh, cause them to uh, not flower at all and you just mm-hmm. get lots of growth. But it uh, looks like chilli thrips kind of running rampant too. Okay, um, Sarah and Kalamunda, we've done that one. Yes. We're draining the pool. Bruce and Burragoon has three pots with gar in the gut. Oh, <laughs> three pots with is it gardenias? I think that maybe yeah, is I think the there's typo a typo there. Yep. Two of which are healthy, but one has white powder all over it, and this won't recur. Is killing it off. I think there's how to treat a, it. How do I treat this? Okay, so if it's got um, if it's got white powder like powdery mildew, it probably suggests that it's in too much shade. So gardenia is like a little bit of shade. They don't like heavy shade. A lot of people think uh, make mistake with gardenias. Uh, so morning sun, 
a bit of afternoon shade in our hot summer sun, but not heavy shade because that will lead to problems. They'll get spindly. Uh, water over the foliage would lead to powdery mildew. So I would suggest uh, moving it to an area, obviously in pots, they can move it to an area where it's a bit more sun. Uh, reduce overhead watering and just water in the pot rather than over the foliage. And there are some soap sprays or uh, lime sulphur sprays, again, you don't want to use when it's very hot, which are good for powdery mildew. Okay, dokes. Chef Lockie from Gosnells, why are my finger limes not fruiting? I have fertilised and very large lush green leaves and branches with no signs of distress. Why not fruiting? It's, this is the common theme for today. Things are no flower, no fruit. Yeah, well, finger limes are fruiting heavily at the moment. So uh, if yours aren't, Commiserations. that's a bit sad. And it depends on to um, if they were grafted or cutting grown. But having said that, both of them should uh, fruit within the first year. And it depends on the fertiliser balance too. So uh, finger limes um, that are in part of the, the tucker bush range that we have, we use even use a little bit of citrus fertiliser on them. A lot of people think that because they're a native plant, they don't need a lot of fertiliser, but finger limes do respond to fertiliser. Um, in pots or the ground, in a pot, you just want to use a very small amount, a teaspoonful. In a ground, you can actually use a tablespoonful of citrus fertiliser and making sure, again, that uh, there's no stress on the plant at flowering time because they can easily abort flowers uh, producing fruit if they become stressed as well. I'm just thinking about how low maintenance my garden is at all of this. You're listening to Roots and Shoots with Amber Cunningham and Mark Tuchek this weekend. It is 14 minutes to 10. We have a few, uh, you know, a quarter of an hour to get through your questions. Lovely photo here from Helen in South Perth. Has nine mature camellias in the garden. Has abandoned abnormal... has abnormal, sorry, I can't read, has abnormal dark spots on the leaves. It started in one camellia about 18 months ago and has spread to most of the others. She thought it was fungus, so she removed all the affected leaves, pruned it back by a third, sprayed uh, mancozeb, fed it regularly and tried to remove all leaves that dropped in the garden below. Had moderate success with that bush, but after a while it came back and also moved to the other camellias. I've tried removing the affected leaves and spraying all the camellias with Mancozeb Plus, but the spots keep returning. Can you confirm that's actually a fungus and suggest how she can get rid of it? Okay, so there are actually two issues here. Uh, It's got a nutrient deficiency, which is uh, causing the kind of yellowing. veins, intervenal yellowing, uh-huh. it's called. And because that's a, an indication of uh, magnesium and manganese deficiency because the soil is probably a bit too alkaline. And the other problem it's got is actually got scale. So scale is a sap-sucking pest which uh, causes uh, honeydew as a byproduct, uh, as same as the, uh, the lerps on the lily pilly. Mm-hmm. And that black sooty uh, fungusy is the black sooty mould. So mancozeb won't control the fungicide because really you need to control the scale to stop producing the honeydew that the black sooty mould's growing on. Uh, the biggest issue, though, is the uh, nutrient deficiency. So really acidic fertilisers and uh, a good 
organic mulch, a good uh, mulch around the root zone to keep the roots cool, uh, will stop that uh, deficiency if they're healthy. Intervanal yellowing, I believed it was called. Intervanal yellowing, very good, Amber. <laughs> uh, that will, if the plant is actually healthy, then it's more resistant to pest and disease attack. Uh, just like you and I, if we exercise, have a good meal, we don't catch a cold or anything like that. So uh, I'd look at uh, the nutritional problems of the, the camellia first. Uh, I'd certainly spray for the scale that it's got, and that should clear it up. Helen, that sounds like a, a cure. Um, how do you kill a cottonwood tree, Alice would like to know. It's about three metres high and pulling up the fence. Well, you'd have to, again, either chop it down at ground level and then wait for it to shoot and then just keep uh, removing any live branches that you get out of it. Uh, There are some other toxic chemicals that you can put over cut-down trees that uh, poison uh, the tree and also the surrounding soil, which is not great. Uh, They're usually a mixture of stuff and diesel in the past so you want to avoid things like that what about if you cut it down then you get a stump grinder in or do you need to let them dry out for a stump grinder? no stump grinders can actually just whisk through them straight away yeah yeah so but uh yeah doing nothing it'll just keep growing like that and they're quite vigorous if you don't cut it all the way down um it's just going to keep reshooting yes yeah I, i i spend a bit of time with you garden experts and I'm in here, you should see me, I'm nodding like I'm a co-expert <laughs> when in actual fact I have exactly no idea what's going on. But I like to pretend that I do. But I have learned in- intravenal yellowing. Intravenal yellowing. Not intra, inter. Inter. Intravenal. Um, so I hope that helps with your cottonwood. Be interested tonight. Here I go, like an expert. <laughs> How big's the stump? How big's the trunk? Yeah. Because I, I had, um, I planted a lily pilly hedge along one side of my garden. I start. I'm, I'm sure someone did this before me. A slow gardening movement back in the day. We've been in this house for 21 years. The kids were tiny. We were broke. Uh, had no money, and I was living in an area where people were routinely spending $70,000 getting their landscape, their gardens landscaped. And oh, it, it kind of offended me that people had that much money. And so my lily pillies came from my bestie Annalise's tree. They shot these tiny little seedlings. Yeah. Um, and on one side of the fence, the ivy's kind of taken over, so that's fine. I don't need the lily pillies. So I cut them back. They reshoot. I'm lazy in the garden. Cut them back again. And the third time, they're finally gone. So I see, like, had I paid more attention and just you know kept at it that's it yeah Yeah, just keep at it just a little bit often rather than a lot of all at once i have some out the front here it's gonna it's about me now um that i've you couldn't call it topiary i've made them balls um and i wonder if i can like just like chop chop their heads off (laughs) and just kind of restart that process because they're off with their no. heads. You can do. Can but I? Again, lily pillies respond very well to pruning, uh, hard pruning. So yeah, okay. you can do that, but uh, keep at it rather than a lot at once. Okay, Jason, tomatoes, bad colour, something's going on. It's a mystery, Jason. Yeah, I'll just send a picture through. Um, my tomatoes, are, I put all the care in the world with them and that, and um, they just, they're a yellowy, orangey colour with dark brown circular stains in it i just don't know what's going on okay and the that's on the fruit itself we're looking for a photo as we speak 
and yep. push, push some more buttons. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I'm, a, I'm the garden expert. You're the radio presenter. You can find it. What does that button do there? <laughs> Don't do it. Okay. Jason, I'm trying to find a photo from you, but um, just describe it again. So the circular marks, um, are they on the bottom of the fruit? No, they're on the – well, pretty much all over the fruit. Um, they're very yellow. It's like they've been injected with a pussy sort of colour, you know. It's like – and then it's got darker brown stains on it. Oh, okay. And they're in pots or in the ground? Uh, in the ground. They're in a uh, – well, not in the ground. They're in a um, a, a um, raised garden bed. Raised veggie garden bed, yep. Okay. Yeah, and I have um, – got a cover, uh, white, meshy, to stop, you know, bugs and birds and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just um, – I don't know what it is. It's just okay. You know, well, those man. without seeing the markings, I think if it's the markings at the bottom of the fruit, um, have you heard of blossom end rot? No, uh, that's a discoloration of the fruit, and it kind of spreads through, and uh, that's actually a calcium deficiency. So it depends on the uh, the fertilizer that you're using. So uh, tomatoes actually like a little bit of calcium in the fertilizer to prevent. Uh, blossom in rot and the discolouring of the fruit and that kind of thing. So just have a look in your fertiliser. If there is calcium in it, uh, you might yeah. need to apply some more. Okay, then. Uh, All right. Um, so Google blossom in rot and if it, if it looks familiar, that's what you need to do. Yeah, I think you, you know it when you see it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's on its bum, on the bum of the tomato, isn't it? That, is that, that a technical it term? Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, can I tell you something? Yeah, it, 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 yes? So this is that right at the top of well, majority of it is right at the top with all the, the dark brown stains of it is at the top where the um yeah, where the core is. So have I have I misled everyone saying it was on the bum because that sounds like the top. That sounds like the head. <laughs> yeah, no, that's at the top and it's at the top prominently at the top, but all over the fruit. <laughs> do, do we have to stand on I'm our head upside helping. down? I'm- <laughs> I'm so confused. Well, Google Blossom End Rot and see what that looks like. Yep. And uh, it could be on the bum rather than the deficiency. Yes. Yeah. Can I tell you how oh, my husband – Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Sorry for um, – Thank, thank yeah. you. Sorry for intruding. Uh, can I tell you my husband how he fertilises his tomatoes? We have a beehive. Is this a rude story? Semi. Okay. I'll try to keep it PG. Um, we have a beehive and – he plants tomatoes, but for some reason the bees weren't fertilising the tomatoes. So he takes my electric toothbrush, <laughs> right, and he gets out yeah. there and hits the blossoms and they send out a little puff of pollen. And so then he goes between – it doesn't have my toothbrush head on it, thankfully. But so he, he got manually, um, what do you call it, pollinating them. And okay. when he does this, inevitably it's in the morning, he's in his pyjamas. And because it's it's – it's kind of plant sex, right? Yeah. I open the back door and I yell out as loudly as I can so all the neighbours hear, can... it's sexy tomato time. <laughs> so they can just run out and have a look at what's going on? Yes. Well, yeah. good on him. Good so... on him. He's a good guy. Now, Asher from Fremantle has called in. Asher, sunflowers, what's going on? Um, we've been growing some sunflowers and we've been waiting weeks for them to bloom they finally bloomed and for some reason one of the heads we woke up and one of the heads was on the floor um like snipped straight off but it none of us snipped it 
and it definitely isn't that it was too heavy because it had only just bloomed. It was only a small head. Is there something that eats the heads off sunflowers? Asha, or birds? do you have Bugs? enemies, Asha? Well, I didn't think so, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Get on with your neighbours. Um, well, I'm going to blame rats again. Rats yeah. or yeah, actually co- uh, cockies will do that too. So cockies can be annoying and uh, just, you know, decapitate your sunflower just for the fun of it. Because a lot of times they get into the, the they want to get into the seeds as well, so there was it actually was it in full flower? Yeah, it had only just. Uh, oh, actually no, no, my mistake. It hadn't actually flowered yet. A bunch of the ones around it had, but this one was maybe like a day or two behind. So there wasn't any actual flower on it, but yeah, it just like cleanly straight off. And I just want to make sure that it's not going to happen to the others. Oh, that's a good question. Not. Oh, you'll have to set up some kind of webcam, live webcam feed. On your... Go out, spend $1,000 on equipment and that's get back to us next week. That's it. And, and send us the footage. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, a bit hard. I'm going rats or cockies unless somebody else Sunflower is Sunflower flo- mafia. I don't know. Ash's enemies. Yes. Who knows? Maybe might... a net would help. Yeah. Would a net work? Oh, a net. Over... No. Annette, does she live next door? Uh, you can try her. She can just guard them. Asha, thank you so much for calling in. We're incredibly grateful. Uh, June has texted in, what is liquid granulated carbon? A lawn expert mentioned that it is a good thing to put on lawns. Okay. So um, probably what that's referring to, it's, it's like a soil conditioner. It's not a fertiliser as such, but uh, it what it helps is it helps uh, retain, uh, it changes the kind of um, the molecular lineup in your, in your sand. So your sand particles aren't very good at uh, retaining water and nutrients and, and you can get um, different things like that uh, from like ground up, uh, it's like coal if you like charcoal and things like that. And if you incorporate in that into the, the sand, it helps the fertiliser bind in that section, stops the fertiliser being leached away and things like that. So that's what they're probably getting out there. Um, it's just a, a type of soil conditioner, another type of ah. soil conditioner. Yeah. Uh, Mary from Yokine planted two hydrangeas over a year ago. They are in a south-facing, uh, pacing south <laughs> position. <laughs> They get plenty of shade, but some morning sun. They have flowered, but barely increased in size. Any suggestions? They are blue. Thanks. Oh, that was from Rosemary. They were blue. So, uh, yeah, hydrangeas, it's one of those things that uh, I used to manage a a garden centre and I had a customer buy two hydrangeas and they planted them a metre apart and uh, because they were still two lovely blue hydrangeas and, of course, one turned pink. And the pink one was where the limey condition was. So the soil varies in just that one little area and that's just a metre apart, you know. So really I just want to look at the conditions there and you can get variation in just um, you know, a, a short distance. So Super quick. Got rid of the roses. Too much trouble with the thrips. Planting a native garden with WA natives. These attract the small birds which eat the psyllids. Problem solved, Betty. That's Betty coming in with a solution there. This has been Saturday Breakfast with me, uh, Amber Cunningham, who, what, what did someone call me? Like a 
barely managed to eat or something. I don't know. It was it was quite flattering. Uh, Mark Tuchek has been your gardening person today. And we'll be back next weekend with more lunacy and songs and, you know, ways to not kill your garden. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.